Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Mark Garrison coming in from the WBT Newsroom. And Mark, um, like this has been the hot topic on the show, the veto oh, yeah. override today. Sheriff McFadden joined us during the first hour live from Raleigh. He called in. And he's been opposed to this bill because he says it's going to hurt the mental health background checks and stuff like that to help prevent people who shouldn't have guns from getting guns. And then even last caller, uh, Sherry, um, said that, well, no, the FBI already does stuff through the, the, the VA and the mental health up in Broughton and all this other stuff. So you've had some conversations back and forth with, I believe, the FBI or others, right? Well, uh, the FBI has a ton of data online about how their system works. And uh, it, 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 the truth of the matter is they rely on state systems for mental background checks. And clearly, state systems, some are good, some are bad. So a lot of the background material for a uh, mental health check, they do not have access to. I think it's improving as time goes by, but it all depends on what the state puts into uh, a system that the FBI has access to. And in North Carolina, I, I would be surprised if all of the data from Broughton is there. I would, uh, the mental health hospital in Morganton. I'm, I'm not so sure it would be there. Let me ask you, because I don't know how this works. Let's say you are <clears throat> committed against your will at Atrium. Right. Because maybe you try to, tried to commit suicide or whatever. Would all those records automatically go to Broughton that you were committed against your will? No, it wouldn't go to Broughton. Uh, that, if that's a Mecklenburg County court order, see, if you went to apply... Uh, at the sheriff's office here, you have to give permission as part of the permit process for your mental health records to be checked in the court here. So if you uh, got an involuntary commitment in Mecklenburg County, that might not make it into the state system and it might not make it to the FBI. I just find all this stuff fascinating because this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. But the fact that you actually, you know, you have to sign over the waiver saying, yeah, you can have all my mental health records or whatever, and then think that they might not actually be in the system. Right. That's exactly right. And uh, this is interesting. I was doing a little digging here. The FBI keeps track of uh, mistakes. And in 2020, there were 6,000 of these instant checks that they approved, 6,000 people got permission to get a gun, and the FBI came back later and said, oops, they should not have had it. And they issued an order through ATF to go get the gun. So that happened 6,000 times in 2020, but that's, that's a drop in the bucket considering there were 40 million firearms transactions. And some people, the people who are anti-gun or you know want you know, some of these gun laws curtailed, would say that's six thousand too many people that should not have a gun. Mm-hmm. You know that that yeah. would be the argument. That's but, right. That's you know, right. That's six thousand too many. And uh, so now, what's going to happen here is if you go to Hyatt Gun Shop and you want to buy a, a pistol, you can. They run a uh, background check through the FBI. Eighty-eight percent of those background checks take two minutes. Two minutes. Two minutes. 
<laughs> no, I, I know that's all in a computer database and yeah. it doesn't yeah. take long, but two minutes is <laughs> It's not long, is it? That's, that's unbelievable. <laughs> now, you do know, we haven't talked much about this. South Carolina has had this same law for quite some time. You don't have to get a a, uh, a permit from the local sheriff. And uh, the, the owners at Hyatt Gun Shop were saying, as far as they know, it has worked well there, that they haven't had any episodes that they know of because of it. And it is also worth pointing out that even though Gary McFadden, our sheriff, is very opposed to it, a lot of sheriffs in the state are perfectly fine with it. Oh, uh, uh, the overwhelming majority. Yes. Yeah. The overwhelming majority. Yeah. And, you know, that was the one thing, Mark, that I, you know, I've said, you know, to, I've said privately, and I've also said on air many times today, if nothing else, agree or disagree with the law, at least there aren't 100 separate ways this law can be enacted. With 100 counties, it's all uniform now. That's exactly right. That, And I think that was a problem because some sheriff's departments, I don't believe, were doing very thorough checks. It was just like, oh, you need a permit, okay. And they sort of went through the motions and then just issued the permits. I think that's very clear. You know, another thing that's interesting, you and I talk off air a lot all the time about news, and you and I were saying, I don't know if this will get overridden this week because of Nashville. And I do have to say I'm a little surprised it was done that fast, the optics of it. Yeah, and that's how I started the show, Mark. I, literally, I said this on air, and you know, McFadden, when he called in, said that he was surprised yeah. that it passed because the term that I used, it's bad marketing. <laughs> it's bad marketing. You're doing this immediately after, two days after, right. two days later that you're doing this. And so, you know... That's the problem. I didn't think it was going to happen because you had four Democrats cross the line mm-hmm. to make sure this passed. Mm-hmm. You also had three people who didn't vote, which means the number of people required to pass this went down. Yes, that's right. And But I also, because you've been covering politics in North Carolina for a very long time, I said that what this goes to show is... Exactly the term that happens for every president, regardless of party, and every governor, regardless of party, when they're in their final two years and they can't run for re-election. It's called <laughs> lame duck. That's exactly right. He does not have the pull or the power anymore like he did during his first term. Oh, if this had happened during—this wouldn't have happened during his first term because he would have threatened a bunch of Democratic lawmakers— uh, with retribution if they vetoed him, because he's known to have done that on a bunch of issues. He's uh, behind the scenes. People don't realize how cutthroat Cooper has been with his own party. He has told representatives, if you vote to override me, I will make sure there's another Democrat to run against you next time. Well, see, he doesn't. <laughs> he, uh, I talked to a, a black minister in Rayford who is a member of the General Assembly, a Democrat, and Cooper did that to him on a couple of bills, and so he backed off. Uh, so Cooper has been difficult to deal with, but you're right. He's lost that power now. And I think what happened this morning is Exhibit A. Yeah, that's exactly right. You had four Democrats crossover and a, at least one or two others that chose not to vote yeah. to bring that percentage number down or the number of votes required to actually overturn this down because it's not, like I said, last night, and I didn't do simple math. It's just simple math, and I did not account for this when I said I would be surprised if this actually got overturned, the veto Mm -hmm. got overturned, because 
I was in my brain thinking 120 votes. They yeah. didn't have 120 yeah, that's votes. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And what this tells you, too, and I haven't gone back to look at who voted uh, which ways, but I'm certain that uh, these are Democrats from the eastern part of the state, rural, more conservative, who crossed over and voted to because I'm sure their constituents were like, hey, we want this approved. Yeah, and it, yeah. it, it got approved. And so, yeah, that's uh, – like I said, it caught me a little off guard, and it was like, <laughs> oh, it's simple math, and I didn't account for simple math. But what a hot topic this is. I mean, your phone lines have been blowing up today on this. It's been two hours and 13 minutes of nonstop discussion about this between McFadden calling and then you know doing the active shooter audio that we just played a couple yep, minutes ago yep. and you know, having you in here to talk about the background with the mental health. It's, it's a fascinating topic. It is. More so... Because of what happened Monday. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, yeah, that's and exactly that's right. where people tend to be a little bit more passionate about yep, this. Absolutely. Mark, I really appreciate you doing sure. this. Mecklenburg County Sheriff, I should say, Gary McFadden, calling in earlier today. So at the very beginning of the show, so we'll play that so you can hear what he had to say about the new gun law um, that goes into effect. By the way, oh, somebody wanted to know, somebody called Bernie and wanted to know when did the gun law go into effect. It went into effect the very second it was passed. Immediately. Like, it's already in effect. The gavel swung, it, and, the, the, you know, they hit the, the gavel hits the wood, and boom, it's into effect immediately. I want to read you guys an email that the North Carolina Sheriff's Association sent out to one all 100 sheriffs. I want to read you the email. Let me pull it up here. All right. So the email says this. Oops, let me get this. I know this is horrible radio, me doing this all on air. But, okay. So here we go. Oops. I know this is just great radio. Um, where is it at? So, Oh, no wonder. Okay, so here we go. The email says this. To all sheriffs, the law regarding the issuance of pistol purchase permits by sheriffs in North Carolina has been repealed. This is effective immediately. And then they use the words in all caps. Effective immediately. All caps. Any person seeking to purchase or transfer a handgun in North Carolina is no longer required to apply to the sheriff for a pistol purchase permit. All pistol purchases permitting laws in North Carolina have been eliminated by the enactment of Senate Bill 41, Guarantee Second Amendment Freedom and Protections. That's the name of the bill, by the way. Bill 41 was approved by the General Assembly and sent to Governor Roy Cooper for his signature on May 16th. The governor had 10 days to veto the bill to avoid the bill becoming law, and the bill was vetoed by Governor Cooper on March 24th. The bill was then sent back to the General Assembly, and then yesterday, the Senate successfully vetoed, the uh, voted to override the governor's veto by three-fifths vote of the Senate members present. That's the key word, present at the voting. And then this morning, the House successfully voted to override the governor's veto by three-fifths vote of the House of Representatives. Senate Bill 41 became law immediately once the governor's veto was overridden 
in the house. Now, here's some things that people may find interesting. Does the sheriff's refund? Does the sheriff refund the five dollars, the five dollar fee for pistol purchase permits being processed when the law was repealed? No. So if you paid your five dollars, you ain't getting it back. That's what that means. Under North Carolina law, the sheriff does not have the uh, the statutory authority to refund the five dollar applica- application fee. Um, but you can request the submission of a $5 fee at this time. The application and the law does not allow this fee to be refunded once the application has been submitted for processing. So if you paid your $5, don't think you're getting it back. Question, does the sheriff issue pistol purchase permits for any application that were pending when the law was repealed? No, absolutely not. Immediately on the spot, took it out of the sheriff's hands. The sheriff no longer does that. The bill did not provide for any period in which the pending applications would either be approved or denied. Therefore, sheriffs are required under the new law to cease processing all pistol purchase permits effective immediately. Any person seeking to purchase a handgun through a firearm dealer criminal uh, through a firearm dealer will undergo a national instant criminal background check system okay that will go through all that for private transfer of handguns while no national instant criminal background check system NICS NICS background check is required under the current law Prior to making a private transfer, criminal penalties still apply to any person that knowingly transfer a handgun to a person uh, who may not lawfully possess the firearm. Okay. Does the enactment of Senate Bill 41 have any impact on concealed handgun permitting laws? No. The repeal of the state pistol purchase permitting law does not have any impact on our state laws governing the application for issuance of concealed handgun permits by the sheriff. Sheriffs will continue to process concealed uh, handgun permit applications in the same manner as before the enactment of Senate Bill 41. So that email, and there were a couple other questions, but that email was the one sent to all 100 sheriffs in the state of North Carolina. A couple of takeaways. If you are in the current process of trying to get a permit and you paid your $5, you're not getting the $5 back. When does the law go into effect? Right now. The second that the gavel hit the piece of wood to say, yep, this thing has been voted on, it goes into effect 100% right there on the, so- on the spot. So just some of the things. Does this change the concealed carry permit law? No, it does not. What was there before? is there now. And a lot of you guys have called since I've been reading that email. All right, so we're going to try to get some of those phone calls when we return. All right, are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's Military Surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old-school, traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim? He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time, American-made, because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear... 
Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. Earlier today, I started the show by going over the, the repeal bill of the pistol permit, the overrid, the overriding of Governor Cooper's veto. You had four Democrats actually go and vote with the Republicans on this. And Sheriff McFadden, Gary McFadden, Mecklenburg County Sheriff, is was up in Raleigh. And he had a break, and he called into the show about two and a half hours ago to talk about his thoughts on what this new law means, and here's how it went. Were you surprised that the bill was actually over overrid the uh, governor's veto? Did that catch you off guard? Because I think it caught a lot of people off guard. Yes, it did. Uh, but first, thank you all for allowing me to be on the show. But as you can see, I'm accessible. And I'm, I'm willing to have these conversations because these conversations are important. Um, I'm actually leaving the General Assembly as we speak, headed to another meeting of the North Carolina Sheriff Legislation uh, Committee meeting, which I am a part of. I am very surprised. I am extremely surprised because we have just saw a horrific incident in Nashville. And I know that very well, and I've been trying to get in touch with them. Oh, how do you deal with something like this? And so is actually loosening the laws to allow people like this young lady to obtain weapons, knowingly that she had some struggles and some illnesses. I think these are things that we need to look at. Whether it's right or wrong, we think we need to look at this and find out that loophole or that miscommunication or that miss one thing that would have allowed this young lady to have these weapons. Because the parents of these six people, well, five people, because the husband, a father lost his daughter, they want to know these answers too. Because these are the things that keep me up at night. And all we're doing is loosening these laws so the incorrect people can obtain weapons. And again, Every time you, I'm going to have this conversation, I am pro-Second Amendment. So that is not the issue. I just want my community safe. And I want the right people to have the gun, but then I don't want the wrong people to have them to cause a situation we saw in Nashville, which we, we will continue to see across America. Sheriff, we're talking with Sheriff Gary McFadden, who's calling us live from Raleigh to talk about the veto override of talking about the pistol permit. So, Sheriff, explain what is the big difference? What will you not be able to do? Will you still be able to send permits to uh, and try to get go through the VA or Broughton and the mental hospital up in Raleigh? What changes on your end? On my end, number one, I have four people who have been relieved of what they are uh, accustomed to doing in the office. They will be retrained, um, and then we'll work on the concealed carry permit. The concealed carry permit, as it stands today, uh, still remains that you still need to be fingerprinted, still have the background check, and still with the um, checking with all the mental uh, facilities that we um, use. So these are the things that we need to work on. Create a system that better produces quicker results. That is on that end, not being able to give you a gun quicker, Let's talk about the system that is causing the law jam. The sheriff sends these to these facilities only to look at the records so I can make a sound decision with my staff. So why can't we work on that? That is what we should be working on. But we want to simplify the process 
that will cause us many problems in our communities across America. We are simplifying something that has caused parents to wake up in the middle of the night worried about their children, worried about their children going to school, worried about uh, their children coming home. Domestic violence issues, uh, both men and women on the side of domestic violence worry, why would you give my house a gun? And these are the things that we should be worried about and not the quickness of just getting someone a weapon. And is that the biggest difference, is that it's going to be happen a lot faster and a lot easier? Will they still be able to do the mental background checks? Well, the mental background check is not going to come. Well, you have to rely on Nick's and the FLL guy. You have to rely on them now. I, I, like I said, I questioned what is being looked at or, or help you to, to determine who to relieve these guns to. So it's still it's a big question in my mind. How accurate are these systems? So that'll be left up to the dealers and the, and the federal uh, young men and women who are licensed to sell the weapons. Our hands, as they say, are washed of that. Sure. Your, permit will not, your permit will not have Sheriff Gary McFadden naming on it. Some people may clap now, but I hope you can clap at the end of the year. Sheriff, let me speak in which, let me switch gears, but continue the same topic a little bit. In terms of what happened out there in Nashville, you know, the school resource officers, it was a private school, didn't have one, at least as far as I know, didn't have a school resource officer out there. And a lot of the elementaries in elementary schools do not have CMS or do not have uh, SRO officers, school resource officers with CMS elementary schools. But you still... Um, have your deputies go by there and do paperwork or stop by elementary schools. Is that correct? I, I do. I will continue to support CMS. Um, I su will continue to support the parents who ask me to do this. And my deputies will continue to go by these schools and spend some time there. And if anybody want to know how many, I can, I can tell you at the beginning of Monday or Friday of each week. We do these two school checks because we want our cities schools and our kids safe. Well, sir, I know you're extremely busy up there in Raleigh, jumping in between you know, the, house, the legislature and doing all these meetings, and I really do appreciate you joining us because this this was a big topic, and like I said, I think it caught quite a few people off guard that it actually got passed. Well, it, it did, but here's what I would say. Everybody knows that the sheriff will talk to you, and the sheriff will have these conversations, and the sheriff will have these debates. Well, let's now focus on who went against the grain. Did our legislations in, in Raleigh, did, did our people came and say, Sheriff McFadden, what is your opinion? How good or how bad is this? Do you agree or do you disagree? I just simply wanted that time to have conversations with the people who are making these decisions because these decisions will ultimately pop up into my city and pop up into my county. And then who's to blame after that? Well, now, Sheriff McFadden's name would not be on these permits. But who will be held accountable after this? Let's have these conversations and ask our lawmakers, why did you vote this way or why did you vote that way? I think that would be a great topic. I think that would be a great conversation. I think it should be a community conversation. So we all well know where we stand. Everybody believes that they know where the sheriff stands. So we need to know where our lawmakers stand and let them tell you why they made that decision and what do they believe that they're going to gain from these decisions.
And let's be, we talk about accountability and we talk about transparency. They should, everybody should have the accountability and transparency. They have dug in my house. They have dug in all the files. They have looked at all what I have done, criticized all I have done, looked at the numbers. So let's talk about this openly. But that conversation, I don't have anything to do with it because I don't do crystal permits anymore. Somebody else does. Sheriff, thank you so much, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you all. God bless you. So that is Sheriff McFadden who called the show earlier today from Raleigh. And look, I will say this. I've said this about three people here in Mecklenburg County that I've had to cover government-wise. Whether or not you agreed with former Mecklenburg County Health Director Gibby Harris, and there were a couple of things that I personally vehemently disagreed with as a person, as a citizen, but you do not let that impact your reporting. Whether or not you disagree with a lot of the stuff that Dina DiOrio does, the Mecklenburg County Manager. And the same thing with Mecklenburg County Sheriff Gary McFadden. You may dislike him. You may dislike Gibby Harris when she was putting in all these, these rules, many of which seemed silly about COVID and all that. But at least all three tell you what they think. They don't give you non-answer answers they're accessible i mean i had gibby harris come in studio with me twice and she wasn't doing one-on-ones with anybody and she came in studio with me twice to sit as a matter of fact her last day on the job she came in and started her final morning with me here in studio when i was filling in for bo and beth or actually bo thompson you may not like what they say but at least They tell you what they think, and you never have to guess, and at least they're accessible. And so because of that, I always respect Gary McFadden for doing that, Gibby Harris, and Dina DiIorio, the Mecklenburg County manager, just because at least they're accessible, at least to me they are, and they always tell you what they think, and you never have to guess. All right, when we come back, let's lighten it up a little bit. I've got a caper that happened in LSU that sounds like a scene out of Animal House. It is awesome. So we'll talk about that when we come back, as well as what's going on with the gambling bill, North Carolina, because that's going to pass. All right, so I want to thank, I want to start off by saying, again, thanks to everyone who called. Thanks to everyone who listened. I really do appreciate it. It's been a very interesting show. I mean, I even was telling Chris and Bernie during the break, I said, I thought this was a really good show between Gary McFadden calling in the sheriff and then playing the active shooting audio to training's part that CMPD doesn't want you to hear. And then also having like Mark Garrison in studio and then all you callers calling in. I really do appreciate that. That was really awesome. And it made things a lot easier. And I honestly, I think a lot more entertaining for every, uh, for everyone out there listening. So thank, thanks to you guys for doing that. I do want to start off by saying that also, uh, I think it just happened, the North Carolina legislature voted to re-look at, to look at, to reevaluate, and all they did was vote to reevaluate. Didn't mean they're going to do anything different, but they just voted to reevaluate whether or not you have to have a four-year college degree in order to get a job with the state. Because there's a lot of people that, you know, that's that's changing. A lot of people think that you don't need a four-year degree, that it should be experience only and everything else. 
and things that you've been able to accomplish. So uh, they did vote to reevaluate that. And then the other thing that you're going to have is the gambling, the sports gambling bill, the online gambling bill, which should be passed today. They, I think they just got to go through a couple of formalities and then it will become, it will pass. But I don't know what day it actually goes into effect. That's the question that I haven't. Some people said maybe January, fir, or January 1st, January 5th. I've been trying to find out and I can't find out. But ga- online gambling, you can see, here's the thing. To say sports gambling is illegal is legal, will become legal in North Carolina, that's a lie. Sports gambling is already legal in North Carolina. You just have to do it in person at the casinos. You got to go up to Cherokee, you've got to go to Kings Mountain, or you've got to go all the way out in Murphy. You got to go to one of the three places. You got to do it in person. All this does is allow you to be able to make the bets at the comfort of your own home. And I can also tell you this. Once this thing passes, there's going to be a massive sports gambling complex uptown with MGM right beside, I believe it's going to be right beside Bank of America Stadium. I believe that's already, like, they're just waiting for it to become legal. So it's called a sports book. And you're going to be able to go there just like Las Vegas, have drinks, have dinner, have 100 TV screens everywhere, and watch games and and gamble on them just like you could in Vegas. But instead of going to a window, you would just do it, be doing it by your phone. And I believe it's MGM. It could be Harris, but I believe it's MGM that's going to have this built right there by the stadium in the uptown. And so that's one of the things that it, that's going to happen as a result of this bill that should be passed today. All right. But I want you guys, so we, we've talked about all that. And if tonight, if the bill, sports gambling bill becomes officially official between now and 7 o'clock, we will definitely discuss it tonight on my show at 7 o'clock. All right. But I want you guys to hear this. This popped up on our newswire. So we have a newswire. You know, some newspapers and places have uh, written newswire, like the Associated Press and whatever. Well, we get that, but we also get the audio newswire and, and like, reports that are sent because we are a radio station. And I saw the headline last night, and I went, oh, this has to be good. This is a 31-second news report. And all I'm going to tell you is the headline. Tiger Stadium Beer Burglary. That's the headline. I'm like, Tiger Stadium? Well, there's Detroit. There's, you know, like Clemson. Like, who are all the Tigers, right? This is outstanding. You've got, and you're going to hear this right now. Campus police at Louisiana State University say a group of young men were seen on surveillance with several cases of beer near the famed Tiger Stadium early Sunday morning. A deeper look showed the group breaking into the stadium and loading up a pickup truck with that beer. Officials were able to track the pickup to 19-year-old Bryce Talata. Campus officers searched his room to find some of what they say was nearly $1,500 in stolen beer. Talata admitted to taking the drinks. He has been charged with one count of simple burglary. Matt Napolitano, Fox News. First of all, there are so many layers to that one thirty-one second report. Let's let's start off with a, well, a couple of the things that slapped me in the face. You steal fifteen hundred dollars worth of beer. 
seen right out of Animal House, and you get simple burglary? Like, seriously. People have done more time for shoplifting a candy bar. Simple burglary. Oh, it's a college prank. Really? Uh, yes. But the other question that I had is, it said, you know, they were able to video cameras, you know, looking at his truck and stuff like that. How are you able to get into college? You're 19. How are you able to have the mental capacity to get into college, but not cover up your license plate when you're going to steal $1,500 worth of beer? I heard this last night. I went, like, half of me wants to applaud you, and half of me wants to slap you for being so stupid for not covering up your license plate or covering up the make or model. Like, you know, like on the side, it might say F-150 if it's a Ford. Dude. What are you doing? Like, John Belushi had a 0.0 grade point average in Animal House, but even he would have covered up his license plate. Like, <laughs> grief. Outstanding, outstanding, outstanding. All right, guys, Brent Winnable's next. I hope you guys stick around and can join me tonight as well. Thanks for all the calls. Thanks for all the interviews. I'm Brett Jensen, and you've been listening to The Pete Callender Show.